Hey self-lovers, before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to remind you to pre-order my new book, 100 Days of Self-Love. After publishing my first book, The Gift of Self-Love, many of you asked me for a tool that would help keep you going on this self-love journey and build it into your daily life. This new guided journal that I'm coming out with is meant to help you do just that. It's got 100 journaling prompts that cover all areas of your life, body, identity, purpose, relationships, and more, and help you think about how self-love fits into those through thought-provoking journal prompts accompanied by little excerpts slash musings from yours truly. So you can really think of this as a metaphorical multivitamin for self-love. I'm extra thrilled about this journal because I truly wrote it for myself. It's incredibly representative of where I'm at in my life, so I'm really excited to share that authentic part of myself with you. 100 Days of Self-Love, the guided journal, is now available for you to pre-order if you're hearing this before November 15th. If it's after November 15th, then it's available for you to order. And I know that pre-ordering is a little odd because why would you buy the book before the book comes out? But here's why. It just really supports me as an author because it shows retailers that people are interested in this book, so they are more likely to stock it. So your early support, those early sales just mean the world to me. And as a thank you for being one of those early supporters, I'm going to send you the audiobook for free. And that way you'll have the print version and the audiobook version and you can follow along and have the best of both worlds. Just go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal and all the links to pre-order are there. When you pre-order, take note of your order number and make sure to go to that website, maryscupoftea.com slash journal, because there are instructions including a form for you to fill out so that I can send you the audiobook as my gift to you. You can get 100 Days of Self-Love on Amazon, Walmart, Target, or any other bookstore. And if you're outside of the United States, check out Book Depository for free worldwide shipping. Again, that's maryscapote.com slash journal, and I can't wait for you to get it. Without further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Self-lovers, holy shit, we recently reached 1 million downloads of the podcast. And I am so shocked, first of all, because this podcast started as like a little side project, something to get me off of social media and share my message in a longer term format. And then it instantly turned into my passion, my little baby, the place where I feel like the most myself. And now it actually feels like something I can pursue more seriously and like make a living off of and sustain myself thanks to your listenership and thanks to your support, your reviews, your positive feedback, your critical feedback that helps me grow. All of that could not have happened without you. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping us reach 1 million downloads on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Of course, this doesn't mean we have 1 million listeners. What a dream. That would be crazy. 
But it does mean that in total, the people who listen combined downloaded our 136 podcast episodes over 1 million times. So absolutely crazy. Such a big milestone. I just wanted to celebrate it and acknowledge you for being just such a big part of it. In honor of this milestone, I wanted to circle back to some OG conversations, meaning the topic, the message that got me started in sharing about self-love with you, and that is this concept of body positivity. I have not spoken that word in a really long time or that phrase, and there's many reasons for that. I won't go into that right now, but for simplicity's sake, today I wanted to talk about how to be body positive or body neutral, body accepting, whatever best floats your boat, and pursue health. This is a question that I get a lot, and it's also one that relates to me personally, and I'm assuming that it's pretty relevant to where you're at in your journey, just kind of talking to some of you and knowing how I've grown and how you've all grown with me. I think a lot of us are at this point where we know the things, we've done so much work, we've healed, we've grown, we're in therapy, we are maybe dabbling in activism. We just know a lot of the factual stuff behind how important it is to take care of our mental health, how important it is to heal our relationship with our bodies, to stop eating in a disordered fashion, to not glamorize eating disorders, and all of that jazz that, like I said, is really what got me started in this field from personal experience and in talking with all of you. And I think now that, you know, maybe it's been a good chunk of time, you might be wanting to get back into some of your healthy habits, some of your healthy routines, some of the things that really make you feel like you're caring for your body. But so many of these habits, routines, things that you do to take care of your health have been so deeply entrenched in diet culture that you might not even know how to approach them with a good head on your shoulders, without getting triggered back into old patterns, without feeling like you're questioning yourself like, oh my God, am I secretly trying to lose weight? Am I not being body positive anymore because I like going to the gym and getting strong and seeing my muscles grow? And I can totally empathize with that because one thing you might not know about me, unless you're an avid follower and listener of the podcast, which I hope you are, but in case you're not, I am really big into yoga and I've actually been doing yoga a few times a week, probably three to four. And I do yoga at my gym, which means I frequently visit the gym, although not so much where the weights and cardio are. I usually just stick to the group fitness classes, mainly yoga. And this has been Something that I've pursued as of recently, about the past two years, I started doing yoga in the pandemic virtually, and then as things started opening up, I got myself back into classes. Now, here's where I feel like conflicted because yoga has been a big part of my life since I was eight. My mom took me to my first yoga class because she wanted to go to yoga, didn't know what to do with me. Yay, single mom things. But anyway, she took me to my first yoga class with her, and it was, you know, this thing me and my mom did together. 
And then as I started getting into my teens, I would go to hot yoga classes first thing in the morning before eating as a way to punish my body and to sweat out the previous night's binge and really just from this disordered mentality about trying to make myself look smaller. And the whole experience was toxic because I was always comparing myself to the person next to me. Sometimes I wouldn't even go to a class if I felt like I was, quote, too fat to be in front of people, which happened more than I would like to admit. And it became just like this very emotionally charged place for me. Then when I moved to Canada, I started kind of rediscovering parts of myself in yoga. And one of my first teachers since like recovery was this bigger bodied Asian gal who played the ukulele. So she kind of like went outside a lot of the yoga, typical Western, you know, yoga that we see in the media, which is, again, a conversation for another time about the colonization of this very sacred practice by the Western fitness world. But maybe we will talk about that later. And anyway, I just found so much solace in this class and the way she conducted it and the music that she brought and her whole heart. So I started healing, but I was still in a very fragile place with my body that I couldn't get myself to pursue any kind of activity consistently because I was still in this cycle, kind of like pseudo recovery, kind of just finding my path after uprooting my life and my identity and all of that. So it was just really hard for me to commit to anything. And that didn't stick, although it was very healthy and I wish I would have been a little bit more consistent. But at that point in my life, I just wasn't ready for a healthy mentality with movement. So flash forward to today, like I said, I started doing gentle yoga in the pandemic. And now I feel like I'm consistently doing it like two to three times a week. It feels really good. There's not an ounce of body comparison or questioning or judgment or any of that. And if it ever comes up, it's instantly silenced because luckily I've found teachers and an environment where I just feel really safe in my body and I love getting stronger and more flexible and I love contorting myself into these weird positions and I could just go on and on about how much I love yoga. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, because what better way to show yourself love than to upgrade your bedding and loungewear? If you're anything like me and go from hot to cold very quickly in your sleep, especially during that time of month, then you need their bedding because not only is it the softest thing I've ever slept on, but it's also temperature regulating and moisture wicking. Boyfriend and I have their sheet set, which looks and feels super luxe. We got it in the oat color and it goes very well with our bedroom aesthetic, if I do say so myself. All of their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo, making them so soft it's like sleeping on a cloud. There's a reason why Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things four years in a row, and today they have kindly provided an exclusive offer for myself lovers, 35% off when you use the code MARY35 at checkout. Go to CozyEarth.com, treat yourself to the softest bedding and loungewear ever, and use code MARY35 at checkout. 
And I'm sharing all of this because I think that many of you might be ready to start integrating these quote-unquote healthier lifestyles back into your life after recovery or perhaps the pandemic or a combination or just being at a point in your life where you're like, okay, I feel mentally okay to start reintroducing the stuff that made me not okay back then. Does that make sense? So it's intricate, it's complex, it can be hard, it's a journey as with anything, but when you're ready to let's say, balance body acceptance, body positivity with self-love and health, then I invite you to remember the three J's. Not J's, not G's, J's. Why? Because I love alliteration and these three little steps start with either a G or a J, so we're calling it the three J's. Before I go into the three J's, I just want to highlight how ironic it is that And not ironic, I'm just extending compassion because I'm like totally in your boat, but it's just weird how even the most educated of us still connote body acceptance and body positivity as somehow not healthy or giving up on ourselves or being lazy or et cetera. Like we almost put them on opposite sides of the spectrum when in reality they are just one and they are so close to each other. Like why do we think that acceptance and positivity is the opposite of health? when in fact it's like the healthiest thing for you to take care of your mental health and feel positively about your body and be at peace with food. Like these are the healthiest things and they should be taught as foundations and principles before any of that fitness or nutrition stuff. And yet, because so many of us grew up so deeply entrenched in diet culture, those, you know, fitness, dieting, nutrition stuff just hijacked health and the pursuit of it. So let's unhijack it and let's talk about the three J's. Remember, this is only when you're ready. And I'm highlighting this because I believe that the time of my life where I quit everything cold turkey and I didn't go to the gym and I couldn't give a rat's ass about nutrition or whatever and I was just kind of eating and doing whatever I know that this may sound like contrary to popular belief and so just contradictory to everything we've been taught, but I firmly believe that that part of my life was necessary to heal. And there's many different ways I can talk about, but we do know that binge eating is a natural response to restriction. It is your body trying to compensate for it. And same with weight gain. It is a response to starvation and your body trying to protect you from the potential of not having enough food. And then, you know, pseudo recovery. I know many different, more educated professionals, and I'm not a mental health professional of any sort, but some people will tell you that pseudo-recovery is kind of a part of it. All I'm saying is all these things are a part of it. And as much as we like to think that we go into recovery and we'll have everything figured out and it'll be perfect and then we'll eat these vegan smoothie bowls and romanticize our recovery on the internet, like that's just not how recovery is. I think recovery is really um, just scary and ugly and there's blood, sweat, and tears and weight gain against your will and 
moments of surrender and peace, but also many more moments where you're like, what the fuck? This is not worth it. I don't want to do this. So this is why I stress when you're ready, because if you're not ready, if you're like, I cannot go back to the gym. Granted, you do not have to go to the gym to pursue movement. We will talk about that in a second. But like, I can't even think about exercising in any way, or I can't even think about eating a salad because I'm still in like starvation compensation mode and I just need whatever calorie dense foods I can get my hands on and whatever is delicious and I don't care or like I care but like my body doesn't care and if you're still grappling with that if you have any thoughts resembling the ones I just described then you're probably not ready in which case I highly recommend taking a step back but when you're ready when you feel more secure and solid and you're like all right let's pursue some more healthier habits. Here are the three Joes. Joe number one is gentle nutrition. Joe number two is joyful movement. Do you get why I have to call them Joes? Because gentle and joyful is like a G and a J, but anyway. (laughs) Gentle nutrition, joyful movement, and just doing what fucking feels good. Okay? Gentle nutrition, joyful movement, and just doing what feels good. So let's talk about the first J, gentle nutrition. Instead of categorizing food as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, what if you put a different twist on things and in order to like best talk to yourself about it, what if you called food, for example, nutrient-dense? Like this is a more nutrient-dense option for me right now and I would like to go with the more nutrient-dense option. Or maybe something that's not as nutrient-dense is more pleasure-provoking. And right now, I feel like I want to exhibit a sense of pleasure in my food, and that's important to me, and that's the option I'm going with. Or maybe whatever you're eating is somewhere in between. Maybe it's nutrient-dense and pleasure-provoking. Maybe it doesn't have to be an either-or. But whatever terms feel good to you, these are just what popped into my head. Nutrient-dense and pleasure-provoking, so much healthier Just even the language change causes our mindset to change, and it's so much more refreshing than healthy versus unhealthy or good foods and bad foods because we know that there's no moral equivalent that can be assigned to foods. You're not a better person for eating a salad and a worse person for eating cake. No. So getting those labels out, and if you must label your food in some way, or you're just simply talking about it as humans do, then maybe find different language to describe the food that you are craving or eating or thinking about. This brings me to a side topic, which I think we need a guest expert to talk about more in depth, but a lot of my friends are dealing with various nutrition-related stuff like IBS, PCOS, allergies, food sensitivities, even something like lactose intolerance. Like Sometimes those, oftentimes, I think those conditions can feel very restricting because to be honest, I'm kind of lactose intolerant, but I can't not have dairy ice cream because I just like it so much that I kind of deal with the repercussions and I'm grateful that they're not that bad. But if your consequences or food sensitivities or whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's in the gut, in the body, if it is like very dependent on what you eat, even just like something like acne, gosh, I just have so much compassion for you because that can be hella triggering. And most of the things that 
you see online or research, all of it is related to dieting and positioning it as if there's some perfect diet that's going to heal all your gut bacteria and clear up your skin and make you lose weight and essentially make you become this perfect person, which goes into a whole different trajectory about the way things are sold to us as moral ideologies, but we won't talk about this later. And I just know that as a former dieter, every modification or suggestion to modify can feel like a restriction. And although I'm not in that boat, I firmly believe that you won't be able to heal your body internally until you stop trying to change it externally. And a lot of health at every size and non-diet dietitians will tell you that healing your relationship with food and your body overall must come. I'm being careful because some people may disagree and if you do, that's okay. But I've just heard that healing your relationship with food and your body overall must come before addressing so many of these conditions because otherwise it'll be too triggering and then you'll do something that's 10 times worse which is go into this vicious cycle right say you're lactose intolerant and for two weeks you're able to restrict yourself of dairy but you love cheese so much that on day 15 you binge on all the dairy that you can possibly get your hands on that's going to cause like a lot worse of a flare-up and stimulate a lot of gut issues way worse so than if you were to just freely allow yourself dairy as it feels good, eat it intuitively. If you have a piece of cheese or two one evening, it's not going to be as bad as going on this cheese binge after so much restriction. That's just how I see it. But again, we need a guest expert about this. I'm just sending you extra compassion because managing these conditions, it really needs to come out of a love for your body and genuine care for its health, not because you're secretly hoping to perfectly figure everything out to then have perfect health and then have, you know, a perfect life. Because I think a lot of these conditions and healing them, you become so exhausted and your whole life becomes about them that you don't even know like who you are outside of them because eating and food and you know our stomachs are such a big part of our daily life. It's just so easy to fall down that slippery slope of managing these conditions almost becoming a vicious diet cycle of its own. Does that make sense? If you're somebody who struggles with that, please feel free to reach out to me on the at Mary's podcast Instagram. I would love to talk to you more about it and like what's been helpful and or if you can recommend somebody to come on the podcast to talk about it more in depth because, yeah, I think we need like a doctor, but like a health at every size doctor to talk about how to address that. So anywho, going back to gentle nutrition... I think the word gentle is really important because, again, if you're dealing with one of these conditions or say you're not and you just, you're like, I need to get some more vegetables into my life right now. And I'm really lucky that I'm surrounded by friends who literally talk like that. Like if we were to be hanging out and we've just had like coffee and cake for breakfast, lunchtime rolls around, most of my girlfriends will be like, hey, do you want to eat something green for lunch? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I think my body would love that. And I think that kind of approach is the epitome of gentle nutrition because you're like, I need some fiber. I need some nutrients. I need something that's going to make me go to the bathroom. I need something that is just 
going to make me feel good and I know it. And trust that craving, trust your body and have a sense of balance. You know, that doesn't mean all you're going to eat is spinach for lunch. It just means like maybe a priority for you right now is to incorporate some more greens. That is like a healthier goal and a healthier habit than saying, I'm only going to eat salads for lunch because this is what I need to be doing to be healthier. So gentle nutrition is your first juh. See how you can incorporate a little bit more nutrient-dense stuff, but also balance it with the pleasure-provoking foods that our hearts and souls also need. The second juh is joyful movement. I talked about this at the beginning where I told you about my yoga journey, and one of the reasons why I don't talk about this online and I don't even post on my stories when I go to yoga, mainly because I don't have my phone out, but also because I don't—I guess I just don't like posting stuff like that because it instantly makes people compare, and I think if I were to be like consistently checking into Instagram three times a week that I'm doing all this yoga— It could be misconstrued as, again, a body negative thing instead of a body positive thing because, unfortunately, our culture has made movement and exercise of any sort equivalent with wanting to change your body, and that's just not my reality, so I keep it to myself. I love it. I enjoy it, and I just love everything that it's—like how it's made me grow as a person. And I don't do it for aesthetic reasons, but I do enjoy seeing physical, what do I call them instead of improvements? Maybe I could just call them physical improvements. Like for example, my flexibility or my strength or simply like my stamina, like, you know, one week really struggling to get through a certain sequence and then the next week feeling that it's a little bit easier. And I'm like, wow, I did this. It was fucking hard, but I did it. I think calling these improvements is not necessarily unhealthy. And for me, where I'm at in my life, it's actually the healthiest thing. Granted, if this was even five years ago, I probably would have gone down a different path in thinking about this. It would have been a little bit more toxic and diet culture would have been like a lot louder in my head. But right now, I enjoy these physical improvements. I like yoga because it's not aesthetic focused. There aren't any mirrors and it's a perfect balance of like meditative and challenging and mentally stimulating and it feels dancey and I meet people and I enjoy the music and I love my teachers. Like it checks all of the boxes for me. And because of where I'm at mentally and emotionally with my relationship with my body, seeing these improvements make me feel good. But if I don't see these improvements, I also feel good. I think that's a really good litmus test for like, is this joyful movement? It's like, are you seeing, you know, experiencing some sort of changes in your body? Great. That's usually normal when you're being a little bit more active. But are you going to be like super upset if you don't see those changes or quote unquote improvements, however you categorize those? Is that going to send you into a spiral? Are you going to be upset about that? Is that why you're doing it? And I think, yeah, approaching it like this is going to help you realize like, Is this movement truly joyful or do you have this like secret ulterior motive to somehow change your body in a not so self-loving way? 
So J number two or J number two is joyful movement. How can you incorporate joyful movement into your life? What is that activity that checks all those boxes for you, that makes you feel good, that does not feel forceful at all, but something you really look forward to? And I invite you to think outside the box. It can really be as simple as walking or, I don't know, tennis or hikes or outdoor stuff is always great, but maybe there's something else in your community, something you can get involved in. Whatever that is for you is the perfect joyful movement. And remember that oftentimes it won't be this stereotypical gym workout, even though some people truly do enjoy that. I think for most of us recovering dieters, diet culture dropouts, I think that intense gym environment can be not so great. But if you like that, you know, CrossFit, lifting, I don't know, just getting on the elliptical and reading a magazine, like if you enjoy that, then go for it. But please make sure to use the litmus test of asking yourself, like, why are you doing this? Would you be disappointed if there was absolutely no change in your body? Would you still continue doing this activity? If the answer is yes, then chances are it is joyful movement. And if so, it's Mary approved. But most importantly, you and your self-love journey approved. The third J is just doing whatever fucking feels good. And this is the part where I tell you to trust yourself, trust your body. A lot of people think that dieting is what will keep your eating and thus your body in control. And I don't know about you, but I felt the most out of control. Paradoxically, when I was dieting, I constantly felt crazy around food and anxious and just off because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my body. I didn't honor its cravings. I, I didn't listen to it. And this is the part where people get nervous and they, they start contradicting themselves. They start thinking that dieting and rigid exercise keeps them most in control and you forget just how fucking crazy you felt when you were doing that. So, I think that a lot of people think that if they just do or eat what feels good, then they'll only gravitate towards these quote-unquote bad things, but that could not be farther from the truth. Once you've been intuitively eating for a while and once you have a healthy relationship with food and your body and movement, then doing whatever fucking feels good simply feels good and you're not giving it a second thought and you're not just stuffing your face with donuts and lying on the couch all day. I just, I, I don't understand why people think that because it's just not what happens <laughs> and hopefully you're living that and you're experiencing it and you realize that what I'm saying is true but if you're still doubting and maybe you're not into recovery as much then just take my word for it. Well, actually, do not take my word for it. Go and see for yourself. Commit to intuitive eating and body acceptance for a really solid amount of time. I mean, years. Trust your body, listen to your body, and see if all it wants to do is eat donuts. You will find that you're just going to burn yourself out on those quote-unquote bad foods that you've been restricting yourself from they'll pretty quickly lose their appeal and then you'll be free to start thinking about what you do and or do not want to eat. And again, this is where you really trust your body, you listen to your body, and you just do whatever feels good. On that note, 
I'm going to go to yin yoga class, which is one of those relaxing meditation ones where you're just laying down and doing gentle stretching. My body really, really needs that. And I'm also excited to go on a walk with my dog because I have not been outdoors yet, even though it is 6 p.m. That is embarrassing. So I know my body is craving fresh air. And I'm excited to have some dinner tonight that I'm going to cook. So to me, that's what the three Joes look like, feel like. Gentle nutrition, joyful movement, and just doing what feels good without overthinking, overanalyzing, like questioning yourself, second guessing, looking to Google for answers. Try to look inward before looking outward. Look into your body, feel into your body, and trust that it knows what it wants. And if you consistently honor those wants and needs, then it'll start trusting you back and it'll stop sending you on these crazy spirals and cycles around food. I promise that there is so, so much peace and you are so well on your way. And as time goes on, I think you'll find that being body positive or body accepting, body neutral, and pursuing health is actually quite effortless and intuitive and organic and exactly the way that things were designed, that these two things being feeling positively about your body and wanting it to be healthy are actually one and the same. I love you so much. Thank you for listening and absorbing this message. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Toodaloo! Hey self-lovers, just one more thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. Your feedback helps the podcast grow, and as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. If you're listening on Apple, you can just scroll all the way down on the podcast homepage and at the bottom, you will see a place to leave a review. And if you're listening on Spotify on the show's homepage, there will be a little star and clicking that star will let you send in your rating. Thank you so much for listening and helping me spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just go to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to order the gift of self-love, whether that's on Amazon, Walmart, Target, small indie bookstores, and wherever else books are sold. Again, thank you so much for your endless support. Please always remember that you are loved. I love you. And I will talk to you next time on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Toodaloo!